What's up, everybody? This is TJ Reed, and you are listening to Vitamin Lead, your healthy dose of leadership. We are on a mission to help you develop consistency, a thriving career, and to find company for the journey as a leader. Join us and leaders from over 300 cities around the world as we now dive into Vitamin Lead, your healthy dose of leadership. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Vitamin Lead, your healthy dose of leadership. I'm your host, TJ Reed, and I am so excited to have with me today, Amy Wanninger. Amy, how are you doing? I'm doing great, TJ. How are you? I'm doing very well. Uh, Thank you for being our guest here. I am so excited to be on your show. Thanks for having me. Well, Amy, uh, we've shared a little bit of your bio with our audience, but would you just take a few moments just to tell us about yourself? Sure. Um, Let's see. The really short version is I spent 20 years in information technology. I'm really old. Um, (laughs) 20 years in information technology. The last 12 of those were in the insurance industry. Hmm. Um, Let's see. In 2012, I got involved in some diversity efforts that my company, the company I was working for um, was engaged in. And I started just, I kept showing up places until they started inviting me on their own. And in 2016, so four years later, I went to the first conference I had ever been to, which is really sad because I was always a high potential employee and no one ever suggested that maybe I should go to a conference. But in 2016, I did after, you know, what, 16 years in a professional environment. And I was looking at the people that were on stage and I was listening to what they had to say And I was like, wow, you know, I could do that. And I know I can do it as well as these folks are doing it. Not that they were doing it well, but I was like, I just know I can do that. And the gap for me was I kept going to, I was just drawn to all of the diversity and inclusion topics. They had a handful of them there. And I didn't walk out with anything actionable, right? Everything was, um, here's a bunch of statistics or here's a description of the problem. Yeah. And I felt like it just kind of stopped short of, you know, giving me something I could check off a list. Like, okay, if I go do this, I'm helping. Yeah. And so I went back and I thought about it and I decided, well, if that doesn't exist in conferences, maybe that's what I need to talk about. Hmm. And so I pitched to that same conference. They accepted me the next year and the talk that I eventually decided I was going to give became a book and a workbook and a journal and a platform um, for a whole lot of other things. And um, fast forward to April, 2019, I left my full-time job uh, to do this work full-time. Congratulations. And it is the best job I've ever had. <laughs> that's awesome. Thanks. And that's, it's, it's so sad to me. Like when you say that you were a high potential employee and uh, you were overlooked, didn't get opportunities to go to conferences. Why do you think that is? You know, I don't know. Maybe my bosses didn't think I was high potential. Hmm. Um, <laughs> maybe, I don't know. That's, that's, um, that's the tough pill to swallow, right? Like if they don't well, see that. You know, and I don't know. It, it's hard for me to imagine that they didn't see that in me. I mean, not that I'm arrogant, but I don't, I don't know. I guess the, the message to the managers that are listening is yeah. if you have high potential employees, show them there's a bigger world than your department or your company. Mm. Um, 
because you never know what they might get excited about and really decide to sink their teeth into. That's, that's really good advice. Thanks. I think maybe they get scared that you're going to leave if you find out that there's a bigger world out there, right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but you know, what is it? I don't remember who said it. I think it was uh, Richard Branson, um, the Virgin uh, Atlantic guy. You know, he said, uh, yeah. train your people well enough that they could leave and treat them well enough that they don't want to. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably butchering the quote, but I think there's a lot to that. You know, if we, if we let people know, Hey, there's this whole world out there, we have the opportunity at a minimum for them to help connect us to it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. I don't, I don't think you butchered the quote. I think you got it. That's okay. right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, part of kind of your mission is uh, helping companies to like build a diverse leadership bench. Um, just a, a basic kind of starting question for those that may be unfamiliar with, uh, or they've heard the terms diversity and inclusion. Uh, can you just talk about like why that's so important, diversity and inclusion? Sure. So this year, 2020, um, marks kind of a significant uh, shift in the demographics of our country. So here in the United States, we are um, this year more minority than majority. Yeah. And, um, and I don't even like the terms minority and majority because I don't think they're accurate. And especially once the, the numbers shift, they're completely inaccurate. But, um, you know, we look at the kind of the the way things have been for a while um, in business. I mean, you think about when I, so I'm in my forties. When I was a kid, there were not a lot of women in business. And if they were, they weren't taken very seriously. I remember seeing movies when I was a kid, like working girl and nine to five. And it was all about, you know, how hard it was for women to survive in these corporate environments. And, you know, now we're, half of the workforce at least, you know, in, in these professional settings. And, you know, that's not just white women, right? It's, it's women of all demographics. It's men of all demographics. Um, you know, we have a lot more folks who are um, out in the LGBTQ community than we've ever had before. Not that we have more LGBTQ people. I want to be clear about that. Right. Um, but, you know, it's just, the world is changing and our businesses need to adapt and adjust because here's the thing. I've never walked into a company yet that had solved all of its problems. And so if you want everybody in your company working hard to solve the problems of the company or the problems of the customers, right? Because it's kind of two things going on in most companies. We have our own problems and we solve problems for somebody else for money. If you want everybody showing up and doing that work really hard all day, every day, they need to feel like they belong. And if you want creative solutions to problems, you need a lot of different voices at the table. And so I think the, the reason diversity and inclusion has become such a hot topic in the last five, 10 years is that you know people in the c-suite live in tomorrow right yeah. they're always looking forward a decade and trying to figure out okay what's going to happen to my company in a decade how do i sustain um or you know and grow what we've got here and they're looking at things like demographic shifts which change things like who is in our talent pool yeah. it changes who is in our market who's going to buy our products and services and if 
if the people inside the company don't reflect the community outside the company, it's hard to connect to customers. Yeah. Um, we also have historically low unemployment right now in this country. And in the insurance industry where I come from, it's even lower than average. So I think um, overall unemployment's around 3%. And in the insurance industry, it's down around 2 right now. Why is that? Um, because there are a lot of, there's a lot of work to do. Um, so the, the insurance industry, if you think about the, um, if you think about the persona, uh, like the, the instant stereotypical persona of the insurance industry, you're probably looking at somebody just about on the verge of retirement who's been in their job for 30 or 40 years. And while that's not entirely accurate, it's about half right. So, you know, there's not little kids when you ask them what they want to be when they grow up, they say, I want to be a, you know, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be, you know, I want to play for the NBA. I want to, you know, I want to be a doctor. No, almost none of them say I want to be an insurance agent or I want to be an actuary or an underwriter, right? These jobs are so hidden from, you know, from public view. And so you have all these folks that are getting ready to retire or, have retired and there's all these new economies and new business sectors that have sprung up in the last 40 years. And now these older industries are competing for talent with these young, sexy industries. Hmm. And so folks coming out of college are thinking, well, I want to go work in tech. I want to do, you know, I want to develop artificial intelligence algorithms and I want to, you know, build a platform for the gig economy that's going to make me billions. And, and I don't blame them, right? I would do that too, if I had that chance, Exactly. but it's hard to get, you know, to get young people excited about, you know, um, you know, loss ratios and things like that. And I know financial services is having a similar problem where they've got kind of a talent cliff, a lot of people retiring and not enough new coming in. And I've heard that in healthcare as well, that, you know, it's getting really tight. So we've got a lot of established industries that are really scrambling for talent. Yeah. But it's ones that seem like they'll be, they'll be around for a long time. Like it's like they're necessary things that we need talent for, right? We better hope they're around for a long time because if we can't, you know, if, so think about it, if you wanted to start a business or buy a house and there's nobody at the bank to lend you the money and there's nobody in the insurance company to write you a policy to protect it you can't invest in anything i mean it's just it's where do we go right everything dries up um and my goodness healthcare we're all going to need healthcare the older we get the more of it we need so Yeah. yeah we need to we need to be putting a finer point on the benefits of working in these um what some people would call these boring industries but they're so necessary to our survival yeah that's good. So uh, you you wrote a book that's called Network Beyond Bias. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that and what made you write that book? Yeah. So what made me write the book was that I pitched to a conference and the conference said yes. And I had no idea what I was going to say. Okay. I knew what I wanted to talk about. And what I wanted to talk about was Why is it important for people like me and you, TJ, to get involved in diversity and inclusion efforts in our companies or in our industry? And it's important for me to say this was an insurance industry conference um, because 
the audience was so varied. It was everybody from people who, you know, work, um, you know, get paid by the hour to work in call centers, all the way up to people who are vice presidents of major Fortune 100 corporations, yeah. and literally everything in between. I mean, just all different parts of the thing. And so I kept thinking, like, you have to write a description that's going to bring people in to your right. session, right? Like, that's the goal. And I thought, what do they care about? Well, they all care about the industry and they all care about their careers. Yeah. Um, and the business case for diversity and inclusion has been done to death. And frankly, beyond the C-suite, I don't think anyone cares. Um, I think what people really care about is, do I have a job? Can I get promoted? Yeah. And is my paycheck going to go up? Like, those are the things most people are worried about day to day. Yeah. And so I started thinking about that. Okay, how can we tie what I think is the right thing to do with what people care about. Yeah. And I do believe that the more diverse your network, the more opportunity you're going to have and the more opportunity you're going to create for other people, which makes you a leader. Yeah. Um, but I decided to focus on networks because it was the one common thread I could find between all of these disparate roles in different companies at different levels with different tenure no matter how much responsibility somebody has or doesn't have, the only way they're going to move ahead is if they have a good network. Yeah. And the way they can differentiate themselves is to have a diverse network as well. So as I was coming up with this idea uh, for the conference and trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to say? I started working on, I was just brainstorming and I put words on a page and I do a lot of crossword puzzles and things like that because, again, I'm old. And <laughs> it's something old people do because we can't move anymore. <laughs> and um, so anyway, these words just kind of jumped out on the page at me. And the, word, the first word that jumped out at me was the word champ, C-H-A-M-P. Okay. Because I was thinking about, well, what kinds of people do you really need in your network? Yeah. Right? And I listed them. And I was playing with the letters and came up with the acronym CHAMP. And CHAMP stands for a customer, someone you've hired or helped get a job, an associate or a peer, M is for mentor, and P is for protege. Huh. And I thought, wow, you know, that gives you a really good 300. I talk with my hands a lot. Your, uh, your podcast listeners cannot see all of the hand talking I'm doing, but... <laughs> I was thinking, you know, this gives you a nice 360 degree view of your career. You're going to know how far you've come, where you're going yeah. next, who you're innovating for, what you're, you know, like that's a really, it's a really good framework for yeah. thinking about your network. And then I started thinking, okay, well, if we thought about, are these people just like us or are they different? What would that look like? And so I came up with another acronym. Um, it's the word ignore spelled with two G's. And it's all the way people are, all the ways, not all, some of the ways people might be different from each other. Sure. And so I take people on this journey through the book of, you know, all the different, all the ways that these differences show up and how they keep us from connecting by default, right? Yeah. So if somebody makes you a little uncomfortable at work, maybe they've got a lazy eye or an accent or you know, I, I tell a story about a woman that worked for me and she was shorter than I was that made me uncomfortable talking to her, right? Just weird little idiosyncrasies that, that we have. Sure. And then we keep people at arm's length and we don't develop those relationships. Well, that's exacerbated when we have differences like gender and race and 
sexual orientation and ethnicity and, you know, uh, our, you know, uh, native language and those sorts of things. And as I started looking at this, I was like, Ooh, this would be a good, a good assessment. And so I was like, this is great. So I took my own assessment and I was absolutely mortified at what I saw hmm. because everybody in my network looked just like me. And I thought, wow, I've got to change that. Yeah. Um, and so I did, I changed where I went and who I, you know, I talked to different people about mentoring me. I started mentoring, you know, in different groups where I'd never shown up before. I, I really changed everything about the way I approached, hmm. excuse me, the parts of the work that I could control. Right. Yeah. Um, nothing to do with my boss, just things I could do. Who did I invite for coffee? Who did I have lunch with? You know, what after work activities did I go to? What podcasts do I listen to? What books do I read? All of that stuff. And it changed my whole life. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I can go to this one conference and tell a hundred people about this, but that's really not enough for the power of what I'm holding on to. Yeah. And so I decided to write the book. And so then I, I did write the book and it's kind of snowballed from there. That's really cool. Thank you. I, I, I also like, I, I love how uh, you, you said that like with the champ thing, like you just started to invite people out to coffee or to be mentored by people or to listen to different things. Those are such practical steps to take to kind of broaden that network, huh? Yeah. There are things you can check off your list, right? What did yeah. I do today? And I always tell people when I speak on stage, you know, your heart can't be in the right place if you don't move your feet. Hmm. Because so many of us think, well, I'm a good person. Yeah. And the good person trap is just doesn't get us anywhere. You can't grow, yeah. right? Good people can't grow. And so we have to realize, you know, being a good person doesn't mean that I look at everything from a distance and nod my head. Being a good person means I walk over and shake someone's hand and get to know them. Yeah. And I make mistakes and I apologize and I do better tomorrow. And we all have to do this. I mean, this is really critical. And it's not just critical for us as individuals and in our careers, yeah. but you think about if you've got a company with 5,000 people, which isn't a big company, you know, by fortune ranking standards, yeah. but if you've got a, a company with 500 or a thousand people or 5,000 people and everybody has a diverse network, you've just changed your hiring pool. You've just changed how you mm. relate to clients. You've changed you know, how inclusive your environment is, you're changing who gets promoted, you're changing who gets recognized, who gets rewards, you know, so much changes when people make authentic connections. Yeah. And it's, even if you live in an area that's very like homogenous or something like that, like mm -hmm. with how connected we are, you and I are talking, you're in Indiana, I'm in Virginia. Uh, exactly. It's easy to talk to somebody around the world now and get to know people in these different ways. Absolutely. And, you know, I'll travel sometimes and I'll be in these spaces that are, you know, like 98% white and people will say things to me like, well, we just don't have any, any black people here. We don't have any Hispanic people here. I'm like, there are five in this room. Do you know their names? Yeah. Go learn their names. Like, cause you're not going to get six right? <laughs> if you don't make the five feel welcome. Yeah. And I think we, you know, we tend to overlook that. Like we think we need some critical mass before we can start being inclusive. Right. And, you know, my message is, no, you start where you are with, you know, you point your feet in the least comfortable direction and you start making some changes. Yeah, that's good. I love that.
Thank you. So, so um, how, how, like if somebody's listening and they're a young leader in an organization that maybe uh, hasn't embraced diversity or inclusion, what can they do to kind of like maybe move their, their workspace or their workplace a little bit more closer towards that? Well, I think there are a lot of things we can do individually. One of the things that I love to talk to people about is don't try to solve everybody's problem. Right. Right. So I, I carry a hula hoop with me and you might be able to see it behind me. I don't know. Um, but I take a hula hoop with me everywhere I go. And I tell people, look, this is the space you're responsible for. Yeah. This three feet around you. And if you make that three feet around you an inclusive space, people are going to take notice. Yeah. And when you manage that, when you manage what's inside your hula hoop and people are drawn to that because they see who you are and how you're showing up and how you want to help and you know, how you want to make a difference and you're being vulnerable, it starts to catch on. And you may still only be managing what's in your hula hoop, but your influence is going out in concentric circles like ripples. Yeah. And I've always been a proponent, you know, the name of my company is lead at any level because I've always believed that leaders are everywhere, everywhere in an organization. I love that. That's such an awesome name for an organization. Thank you. And (laughs) yeah. And so my tagline is leaders can be anywhere and should be everywhere. Yeah. And I believe every team has, they have official leaders, right? There, there's a manager or a supervisor or something, but you know, there's somebody that's not got a role yet, or maybe doesn't even want, doesn't even aspire to, you know, a title that would grant them leadership, but they set the tone for the group and the, the people around them look to them to see, you know, what's right and what's wrong and what's, what are they going to get by with and what are they not? Yeah. And if you have somebody like that on your team, it makes, you know, and they're good, right? If they're really good, it makes you better. Yeah. It makes your manager better. Yeah. Right. It makes the other, other teams start wondering like what's going on. And so I think each of us has a responsibility to manage what's in that hula hoop so that we can be leaders wherever we sit. Yeah. And then as our influence expands, then we should start moving up. Yeah. I see people who are moved up a lot in organizations because they're really good at their, at the technical part of their role. Yeah. But they really don't know how to influence people. Hmm. And by the time you've got the job, it's too late. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> you should have learned that last week. Hopefully because day one it, it starts. <laughs> right. And so, yeah. So if you, you know, if you're wanting to affect culture change in your organization, start with you. Yeah. And get really honest, right. You can sit in a room by yourself and be really honest with yourself about, am I really doing a good job? Am I working with integrity? Do I, you know, I say that I value, um, you know, difference of opinion, but do I really, I say that I value people who are different and I, you know, want to work in a diverse environment, but do I really, um, and kind of take an inventory of that and, you know, ask yourself some tough questions, learn some things that, you know, you've managed your whole life not to learn. I guess we have a lot of those things. And, um, you know, and then people will see that and it makes all the difference. So if, if somebody's listening and maybe they're a higher level leader, maybe they're in the C-suite or let's say somebody's listening from the insurance agencies that <laughs> like you're saying have such a cliff of uh, talent there. Yeah. Um, 
what are some just practical tips they can do to try to really start to reach out and diversify their leadership bench? Like, like obviously hiring practices and things like that, but like what, what, what can they, should they do? So one of my favorite activities is asking somebody, how can I help you feel included here? What would make you feel included? Yeah. And I think too many times we hire folks and we, we all do this, right? We hire people because they have a specific skill set that we really know we need. Right. And then over time, even though they're really good at that thing that we hired them for, they start to kind of take some hits because maybe they're not good at other things, right? Or we hire them because we want them to change something. And then we get frustrated because they're always rocking the boat. You know what I mean? Like you've seen yeah, this, right? Like we've absolutely. all been there, right? You've been new and you've thought, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to go in and, you know, they're, they're really open to my ideas. And then like by the 93rd idea that you, you say out loud and you get, you know, the death stare from everybody at the table, you realize like I am not, 94 is never coming, right? Like I'll either leave or I'll just shut down. So, you know, I think it's important for leaders to go to the people that work for them already. And especially the people who are maybe, you know, the onlys in the group, right? The only woman, the only, um, you know, the only immigrant, the only uh, black person, the only, you know, disabled individual, whatever that is, you know, whatever demographic that might be, the only working parent, right? Whatever it is. And say, look, I want to make sure that you know how much I value you here. Yeah. What are the things that I can do to help you feel included? And then make those things policy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If somebody says, look, I want my ideas to get a fair shot. Okay, what would that look like? Thank you. That's a policy now. Yeah. You know, I need I need flex time because I've got, you know, a child with special needs. Okay, great. If that's what would make you feel included, we now have a flex time policy for everyone. Yeah. Right? Because if you're doing these things to if if you really want to keep the people that are gonna bring a different perspective. Yeah. You have to structure an environment that welcomes them. Yeah. And until you do that, you're going to have a revolving door on all that talent you bring in. Yeah. You're going to spend a fortune trying to recruit at, you know, historically black colleges and universities and, you know, at the pride MBA event and whatever the things are. Yeah. Right. And that person's going to come in and then the 93rd time they speak up, they realize I don't belong here. Yeah. They're going to leave and you're just going to keep going through that cycle. Yeah, these ideas aren't welcome because we have an established way of doing it. Right. Yeah. That's so good. This has been such a good conversation, Amy. Well, thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for your insight. Um, so how can our listeners connect with you next? I think you even have a special offer for Vitamin Lead listeners. I have a special offer for Vitamin Lead listeners. So <laughs> that was the best radio voice I've got. I hope it worked. So it great. my <laughs> Great. Okay. So here's the thing. Um, I'm not going to give you my whole book, Network Beyond Bias, because it's worth every penny that you will eventually pay for it. But what I will give you is some excerpts from the book. Um, it's actually, it's a really pretty um, ebook kind of yeah. thing. I got it tonight, so I'm excited about it. It's gorgeous, it. isn't it? It is. It's nice. And um, it's just, it's some, just some excerpts from the book to get you thinking a little bit differently about how you approach work, how you approach your network, and how you think about difference. And, um, but you know, there's some good, valuable stuff in there. There's some great conversation starters and, um, 
I'll give you the link for the show notes and they can go there. If they want to connect with me directly, I am lead at any level on Twitter. And um, you can look for me, Amy C. Wanninger on LinkedIn. And if you can't spell that, that's okay. Just look for lead at any level and I won't be far behind. Yeah. And we'll make sure to put all of those links in the show notes as well if they want to connect with you, Amy. Fantastic. Thank you. It has been a real pleasure having you here tonight. Thank you. Well, and it's been awesome being here. Good luck here in 2020 with all the amazing things I'm sure you're going to do and helping organizations and leaders. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, TJ. Absolutely. Stay healthy leaders and we will talk soon.